Hello and welcome once again to Screen Facts with Jason Davis. You know, there have been several great movies about one of my all-time favorite things, America's pastime, baseball, The Natural, 42, Major League, Bull Durham, another Kevin Costner film, and A League of Their Own come to mind. And, you know, I'm sure I'm going to talk about all of those films at some point on the podcast, but the one baseball film that really captured my imagination and pulled on my heartstrings, especially the ones linked to my love of the game, is the subject of this week's podcast. If you build it, he will come. Of course, I'm talking about Field of Dreams. This week marks the 26th anniversary of Field of Dreams. It was released May 5th, 1989 in the U.S., Directed by Phil Alden Robinson. The book that the movie is based on was written by W.P. Kinsella. Phil Alden Robinson wrote the screenplay. The movie stars Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, and Amy Madigan. This film was nominated for three Oscars. Best Picture, Best Writing, Screenplay Based on Material from Another Medium, Best Music, Original Score. And this movie, by the way, was scored by James Horner, who is most famous for scoring one of the most successful movies of all time, Titanic. Filmed from May to August of 1988, an estimated budget of $15 million, it grossed $64.4 million in U.S. theaters, and then made another $30.5 million in rentals. Great tagline for this film? All of his life, Ray Kinsella was searching for his dreams. Then one day... His dreams came looking for him. Tom Hanks was originally offered the Kevin Costner role of Ray Kinsella, but he turned it down. Now, Hanks probably would have been very good in the role as well, but you got to give it to Kevin Costner. He's done uh, a couple of great sports movies in his career, this being one of them. Bull Durham, of course, he's great in, and Draft Day, which came out a couple of years ago, is also very good about football. Reba McIntyre auditioned for the part of Ray's wife Annie in the film. There are a couple of mistakes to look for next time you watch. We'll get those out of the way first. In the opening montage, there is a graduation photo of Ray, who supposedly went to school in the 1960s. The version of the Spam logo on Ray's shirt was introduced in 1987. Ray has a vision of the baseball field while standing in the corn looking back at the house. In the vision, the backstop and home plate area is out in the corn, with the outfield stretching out to near the house. When he builds the field, he builds it the other way around, with home plate and the first baseline by the house, and the outfield is in the corn. Now certainly, that configuration makes more sense, because you don't want guys hitting home runs through your house windows. But why did the filmmakers not have the effect of the vision match the way it was built? A number of the newspaper articles being read by Ray and Terrence in the Chisholm, Minnesota newspaper office have the town name misspelled. There's a scene in the movie when Ray's brother-in-law, Mark, who works for the bank, yells at him, Ray, do you know how much this land is worth? And he responds, yeah, 2,200 bucks an acre. The exchange is supposed to illustrate how much money the family is losing by keeping the baseball field. However, a baseball field is about two acres in size, which even if it had generous proportions, meant that Ray was losing no more than $5,000 from maintaining his field of dreams. So kind of doesn't make sense, a little bit of a plot hole there. At Fenway Park, you're actually not able to buy a hot dog and a beer at the same concession stand. There are certain stands that sell only beer and no food other than pretzels and peanuts. Other stands sell food, including hot dogs, but no beer. There's a player shown in a Philadelphia Athletics uniform 
The uniform has a green bell on the cap and a green-colored A on the uniform. The Philadelphia Athletics team color was blue and didn't change to green until after the franchise moved to Kansas City and then eventually Oakland. In the PTA meeting scene, as Beulah and Annie are arguing back and forth, you can see another parent holding a printed flyer for the meeting. On the flyer, the headline is misspelled. It says, Protect Our Children, and children is spelled C-H-I-L-D-E-R-N. Protect Our Children from Typographical Errors. The movie was originally going to be called Shoeless Joe Jackson, because the movie centers on Shoeless Joe Jackson and his involvement or non-involvement in the 1919 Black Sox scandal in the World Series. Test audiences didn't like the name because they said it sounded like a movie about a bum or a hobo. Universal called director-screenwriter Phil Alden Robinson to tell him that the title of the film was being changed to Field of Dreams. When Robinson heard the news of the change, he called W.P. Kinsella, the author of the book that the movie is based on, and told him what he thought was bad news. Kinsella, turns out, didn't care, saying that Shoeless Joe was the title the publishing company gave the book. Kinsella's original title was Dreamfield. Robinson has said that his greatest regret as a director is that he didn't use any African-American players. While the use of African-American players might have compromised the historical accuracy of the film, since of course no African-American players were known to have played Major League Baseball between 1884 and 1947, the year that Jackie Robinson broke in with the Brooklyn Dodgers. However, the point was to focus on the plight of African-American ballplayers. As much as Shoeless Joe Jackson was banned from baseball, Many African-American players never got a chance to play merely because of their race. After scouting the area, the studio built the baseball diamond on the century-old Lansing family farm in Dyersville, Iowa. After filming was completed, the family kept the field and added a small hut where you could buy inexpensive souvenirs. In fact, even after 26 years, the field is still a tourist attraction. If you're going to be in Iowa and you want to check it out, you can get all the details at fodmoviesite.com. A 20th anniversary event was planned in 2009, but actually ended up being canceled due to the bad economy. The family donated the money raised for the event to a local food bank, so it's good to know that they were taking care of a good cause. Thousands of pallets of green grass were brought in to make the baseball field. But due to the haste in planting because of the shooting schedule, the grass wasn't able to grow appropriately and died. In order to keep the grass green, the production crew had to paint the grass. Also, during filming, Iowa was in the middle of a drought, and the cornfields surrounding the diamond had to be given lots of extra water in order to grow tall enough for the actors to disappear into the stalks. As a result, the corn grew too fast for the Costner shots. In the one scene where corn is above his shoulders, He's walking on an elevated plank. The shot of the line drive that knocks over the bag of baseballs next to Kevin Costner was pure luck off the bat of Ray Liotta. I'm sure a filmmaker loves when stuff like that happens. When Ray asks Shoeless Joe Jackson what he likes about playing baseball, Shoeless Joe responds, The Thrill of the Grass, the title of W.P. Kinsella's 1985 book of short stories about baseball. Burt Lancaster, who plays Moonlight Graham, was unaware that Timothy Busfield was part of the cast and had him fetching water and chairs before realizing Busfield was going to be in the scene with him. Field of Dreams was actually Burt Lancaster's last cinema film. He was 74 at the time of filming. He did several TV projects in 1990 and 91 before he died in 1994. And the character that he plays, Archibald Moonlight Wright Graham, was a real baseball player. 
on June 29, 1905, with the New York Giants, he played one Major League Baseball game. Following that one game, he continued playing professionally through the 1908 season, mostly in the New York State League, until retiring at the age of 30 and eventually really becoming a doctor. Graham was one of nearly 1,500 players whose entire Major League career consisted of just one game. When Shoeless Joe remarks about Ty Cobb's desire to play at the Field of Dreams, quote, none of us could stand the son of a bitch when he was alive, so we told him to stick it. Although Cobb had a reputation of being a badass and really wasn't liked by a lot of the players, in real life, he and Jackson were very close friends. Then unknown, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are among the thousands of extras in the Fenway Park scene and are uncredited. Over a decade later, when director Phil Alden Robinson welcomed Affleck to the set of The Sum of All Fears, Affleck said, hey, nice working with you again. Robinson asks, what do you mean again? And then Affleck explained the connection. In the novel, instead of seeking fictional author Terence Mann, Ray Kinsella seeks real-life author J.D. Salinger. In 1947, Salinger wrote a story called A Young Girl in 1941 with No Waste at All, featuring a character named Ray Kinsella. And in his most famous work, the novel The Catcher in the Rye, one of Holden Caulfield's classmates is Richard Kinsella. In the original novel, Ray has a twin brother named Richard. J.D. Salinger was said to be very offended by the fictional portrayal of himself in the novel upon which the film is based. His lawyer said that they would be unhappy if it were transferred to other media, so the studio created the character of Terrence Mann. According to an AFI Top 100 quotes list, Ray Liotta provides the voice that gives Ray his instructions. If you build it, he will come, among other things. In an ESPN commentary, author W.P. Kinsella says he was told the voice is out of Ed Harris, the great actor that's also Amy Madigan's husband. Kevin Costner has also taken credit. The film credits the voice as himself. W.P. Kinsella was asked to write a review of the movie for a Canadian periodical. He gave it four out of five stars for two reasons. He didn't think the character of Mark, played by Timothy Busfield, was villainous enough. And he also didn't think that Gabby Hoffman, who plays Karen, looked like she could be Kevin Costner and Amy Madigan's child. In the movie, Ray Liotta bats right-handed and throws left-handed, which is the opposite of the real shoeless Joe Jackson. After the PTA meeting, when Ray and Annie crash into the lockers after exiting the gym, they're actually exiting from the women's restroom at the school. There were no lockers near the gym at the school. So remember the great monologue that James Earl Jones gives in the film, singing the praises of baseball, part of which is, The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. There are two things to note about this. First, my James Earl Jones impression is terrible. And secondly, James Earl Jones is an incredible actor. Why? In real life, he actually hates baseball. Finally, one of the actors sadly had plenty of motivation for his big scene. Shortly before shooting began, Dwyer Brown, the actor who played Ray Kinsella's father, was notified that his father in real life had passed away. Immediately after the funeral, he traveled directly to Iowa to film his emotional scene with Costner. And, you know, no matter how many times I watch this movie... That scene makes me cry or chokes me up. I think most men are affected by that scene since at one time or another, we've probably all bonded with our dads over baseball. For me, 
My dad teaching me how to play baseball for Little League is the fondest memory that I have of him, and it's one of the reasons that I still love the game. I think overall this film represents a reminder of what's missing for Major League Baseball these days. Back in the day, before players were involved in steroid scandals, there were big cable TV deals, huge sponsor endorsements, and multi-million dollar salaries, there was a certain innocence to the game. Players actually had to have other jobs in the offseason to make ends meet. These days, it's a big business, and it's a thing of the past for Major League teams. However, you can still enjoy a little bit of that innocence if you search out minor league and independent league teams in your hometown. The tickets and concessions cost a lot less. You can bring your family to the ballpark for a day or night out and, and not go broke. The teams make you feel like you're part of the game, too. There's activities between innings and all kinds of stuff they do for kids and families. Most importantly, though, you get to see players who seemingly are playing for the love of the game, with maybe the hope of making it to the show someday. So I recommend you go online and look for an independent league or minor league team near you. Hey, do you have any thoughts or screen facts of your own about Field of Dreams? What do you think of this podcast? I'd be grateful to hear from you. Please email me at screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please make sure to include your name and where you're from, as I hope to include feedback in future episodes. Also, please rate, comment, and subscribe, and check out my website, jasondavisvoice.com. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And please join me again next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Bye-bye.